from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. A time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I am Garrett Bougay, and uh, I'm very excited to bring back my co-host after a brief hiatus, Corbin Ford. Uh, I've had some some other guests on the program the last couple of weeks, so very excited to to talk hoops with this man, a, a guy that uh, also had some had some neat news this week that he is uh, now the host of a of a San Antonio Spurs podcast, but Corbin, first off, uh, congratulations on that, and you know, how you doing? Oh, thank you so much. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited to kind of go on a different type of um, beat with that. I'm following a team that, you know, not really in my uh, in my normal sphere of, I mean, watching the NBA in general, as we both do, you know, you definitely see them, but to follow them from a more um, deeper perspective is going to be kind of fun, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm really trying to ramp up my content and realizing that for me a lot of that is on the audio side so just going that way yeah um so really excited to hear you on that and uh yeah i think the spurs are going to be a, a fun team to to check out this season they got a lot of young interesting talent there but uh for this episode corbin and i both uh, came up separately with our predictions for the upcoming nba season that includes all of the individual awards it includes all of the uh, all-NBA teams, the all-defensive teams, the all-rookie teams. And then at the end of this episode, we're going to break down who we expect to make uh, the, the playoffs in both conferences, and then also who we expect to make the conference finals, NBA finals, and who will ultimately be crowned NBA champion. So, uh, Corbin, why don't, we, uh, why don't we get started with uh, the biggest award of all for the regular season, and that is... Your pick for the 2020-21 NBA MVP. All right, let's do it. Um, for me, it's it's Anthony Davis. It's Anthony Davis. Uh, okay. Season, he had 26 points, nine rebounds, three assists. You know, 50 percent shooting, 32 percent from three. I think if he can bump up those numbers to 27, 10, and four, uh, maybe up his three point percentage, we get to 36, 37. You know, sustained Lakers team success. You already have enough of the narrative stuff that I personally am not a huge fan of, but know that that factors into the MVP race. Uh, I think you take all that into consideration, and, and, and Anthony Davis is going to be your MVP this year. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. I think I, I'm guessing part of that, part of your reasoning is that LeBron, at his age, he's going to be 36 this season. He's going to be resting quite a bit. Exactly which will give Davis more opportunities to kind of be that number one, clear number one guy. Uh, and uh, coming off that incredible postseason performance, yeah, kind of translating over to, to carrying the team. The, the issue I have is I, I do still question how good the Lakers will be when LeBron sits. <laughs> uh, uh, and, you know, if they're not, 
you know, if if they're like 500, say, in, in those games and say there's 10 plus of those, I think that would would negatively impact his chances. But but no, his his two-way play, uh, the, the Lakers, I'm pretty confident they're going to have one of the uh, the best records in the league once again. So so yeah, that, that's a that's a real interesting pick. So so my choice, and uh, when I did the top thirty players rankings with Scott Levine, I actually had this guy over Anthony Davis uh, in my rankings, and I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic. And uh, this is the this is the second consecutive year I believe that I've picked Jokic to win MVP. I was obviously wrong last season. Um, I get you, yeah. But uh, you know. He's still, and, and I think something that uh, helps both of our, our picks is just the age. The, both both Davis and, and Jokic are still young enough that I think this shortened, truncated season isn't going to impact them as much as some other guys. But uh, Jokic has consistently provided great play on the offensive end and really carried the Nuggets, regardless of who's out there with him, uh, to, to really good records. And, uh, you know, given that the Lakers might rest LeBron quite a bit, uh, I honestly could see the Nuggets, uh, and we'll get to this a little bit later when we get to our uh, our, our playoff predictions, but uh, it would not surprise me at all if the Nuggets end up with the best record in all of basketball this season. I think regular season-wise, they've got all the talent necessary to do that. They're coming off a, a great playoff run. They they should have some some internal development with this roster, and it all uh, relies on uh, the big man from Serbia, Nikola Jokic. That is interesting. I'm not quite well. I'm not nearly as high on the Nuggets as you are. That is cool. I, I mean, we'll talk about them later. I think they're going to be more or less exactly what they've been, um, unless there's some, I guess, more stability in terms of level of play from like a Jamal Murray, which we haven't really seen that, um, and have to take a, a just. And her Herculean effort from Jokic, in my opinion, but I like it. The Nuggets are a very good team. I do think that they kind of have there, there's some there's some potential for internal regression. I think there's a lot of guys who want to be a starter there, um, and they all have not totally bought into the whole. Oh, I'll come off the bench if I need to. They're pretty set on wanting to be a starter. I also think that lost Jeremy Grant, while it has been overrated, is being overrated to the point that people are forgetting the impact that he actually had. So I'm not super high on them being anything better than what they were but I don't think they'll be much worse and Jokic is definitely in play for that so I get it. Were there, were there any other players that were kind of right on the the edge you you were thinking about picking them but then you you uh, you ended up passing? So what's funny is that Jokic was in my top four. Um, Doncic was someone I gave a little strong look to but I mean in addition to I don't think the Mavericks are going to be with the record there quite there. I think he's going to put up a very gaudy stat line have, and have some strong play. But he was another guy that I definitely considered. Um, I mean, you kind of throw Giannis in there just because, but I just don't think it's his. Uh, same with Kawhi. Uh, that was really kind of it. LeBron, outside chance, but I think last year was like the last actual solid chance that somebody could like, you know, really convince me um, or anyone that he could be MVP. I don't think that this year will be it. Just in terms of him not playing as much, and overall the Lakers, I think, turning more to AD to be the workhorse. So you didn't actually mention one of the guys that I had in consideration in my top four, and that is Damian Lillard. Interesting. No, I did not have him in there. I think he's going to have a strong season, but um, yeah, I did not see MVP in there. It's, it's in play. You know, he has a, a stronger team. You know, he's in his prime. He's playing real well, but if it's anything it was last year, I don't know. I think a lot of it that comes up with Damian is that his play 
has to match, or his teammates have to match the level of play in terms of putting together the all overall uh, type of success that the MVP will have. Unless, you know, you're getting a Russell Westbrook um, type MVP season. And frankly, uh, his teammates are better than Russell's were back then. Yeah, um, that's. I think that's just the, the thing is I'm bullish on the Blazers making some improvements this year, and uh, I'm pretty confident Lillard is going to have a, uh, you know, I guess regardless of the supporting talent, Lillard was going to put up incredible numbers like he did last year. So, uh, you know, he's also been pretty durable as well, so he's a guy that I think could uh, could have a shot at it this year. Uh, so yeah, let's let's move on then, Corbin, to the to the next one I have on my notes here, and that is Rookie of the Year. Now this one, I'm not gonna lie, this was hard for me to try to figure out. Um, I went back and forth between a few players that could possibly do it. Then I went down to two players that I felt okay have a better chance in my own mind. I and those were um, Anthony Edwards and Obi Toppin, and. The reason I picked those two, I think they're both in positions where um, well, the metal ball was in play, but I just don't know if his, if his type of play is going to immediately lend himself to be a rookie of the year, um, especially what's going on over in Charlotte, how they're going to play him, you know, more experienced ball handlers, that sort of thing. He'll definitely earn a spot and have some flash, but I just didn't see it there. Wiseman being in Golden State, I don't think he's going to be featured in such a way that a rookie of the year will get that shine. Uh, ditto for Patrick Williams, even though he's not the type of player or Isaac Okoro. So I took Obi Toppin because he's going to be an older player. You know, offensively, I think his skill set matches well with the NBA. Uh, currently, as a rookie, I think he'll look the best. He'll look the most polished. And he'll be on a team in New York where he'll be not exactly featured, but have more of a time, more of a, more of a yeah, more of a chance to shine, more of a chance to to show his uh, offensive capabilities there. Uh, defensively, I mean, I don't think I haven't seen a rookie either that are they're giving recently, at least over defensive prowess. So I think he's up there for me. Anthony Edwards, much of the same reason. I think that the type of player that he is kind of lends himself well or favorably to rookie deal looks. If he does a halfway decent stat line and the Timberwolves look, you know, halfway decent again, I think he's in play. So I took the two polished scores whose games I think translate well almost immediately to the NBA, even if obviously they have warts on the other sides of the ball or other uh, capacities that may limit them as players. So if you're picking one, are you going with Toppin? Uh... You gotta pick one, Corbin. Come on. I know. I'm gonna go with Edwards. <laughs> Edwards. Okay. Uh, I thought we were gonna be in agreement there because I went Toppin. Wow, we almost were, but see, I had to change it for the sake of change. I felt like Toppin just seems like he, I felt bad because he seems like a really, I don't know, in a, in a weird draft. I feel like he's an obvious pick for rookie of the year, at least out the gate, just because of what he brings immediately to the table. Yeah. Um. You know the the year uh, with uh, with Luka Doncic and. Uh, and Marvin Bagley and DeAndre Ayton, I actually thought, despite being much lower on Bagley than the other two, I actually thought Bagley had a decent chance just in terms of counting stats to to steal that Rookie of the Year award, but he ended up getting getting uh, hurt and, and what didn't play in as many games or in enough games to, to really be a factor. But uh, I think Toppin is a guy, another guy that I'm not high on uh, as a player, but uh, I think he's going to put up, he's going to have plenty of opportunity. That's one of the key things to, to be rookie of the year is you're going to have to get a lot of minutes and the team's got to be able to, to live through the, the warts, essentially. Um, and I think he's going to have that in New York, and he is a very skilled offensive player. He can do a little bit of everything. So uh, he's going to put up points. He's going to put up rebounds. Uh, so, so, yeah, I've got Toppin. 
And yeah, my my uh, number two was actually a Coro. He was another guy that you were a lot higher on than I was when we did our uh, NBA draft uh, big board podcast. Yes. Um, and uh, you know we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, so we we haven't had a lot of uh, preseason action to try to influence our uh, our views on these guys. I tried to tried to get this done as soon as possible, so so we didn't have too much information. But uh, Okoro had a had a really good preseason debut. Hit the game winning layup for the Cavs. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually hit a couple of threes, which was the thing that I'm I'm very concerned about with his game. His shot certainly did, doesn't look very pretty. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a guy that I think you know could average between ten to fifteen points and and uh, six or seven rebounds as well. Maybe get a couple of steals. Uh, so he's a guy that I think could be in the conversation as well. And, and again, another guy with, with Cleveland, a team that's in full-on rebuild, they're going to give him all the minutes that he could he could possibly want. That is true. I thought about that. I just didn't know if his offensive uh, skill set would, would, would at least lend itself to, uh, you know, favorable rookie of the year momentum this season. Uh, as an overall player, I'm excited. And yeah, I did watch, you know, uh, his performance uh, what, yesterday was really good for Cleveland. So, I mean, there's some hope there, but I think in between him getting minutes, you also have Dylan Windler, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., all kind of vying for some spots there. It's a lot, I mean, and I, it's weird. I'm not even going to use that argument because I then could then use the same argument for Anthony Edwards fighting for his spots with Malik Beasley and, you know, Russell and um, Culver and those guys. I just don't know if on the offensive end that that will be enough for him to get uh, momentum for rookie year, in my opinion. But I like him as an overall pro very much so. All right, let's move on to uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Who do you have there, Corbin? All right, so this is going to be uh, – I'm predicting a Giannis-type finish again. I got AD again. I feel like AD had a strong enough case last year. Uh, Giannis obviously had the strongest case, but I think that an argument could have been made for AD last year, and I think that the same will be – uh, present itself this year. Uh, just a destructive guy as a room to turn. I think a lot of the defense will have to obviously hinge on AD as is, especially when uh, for the Lakers you bring in a Montrez Harold and other guys who, uh, let's just say, I think that the strategy will be to funnel um, offense to AD at the rim. So I think he can be the same type of destructive force that he was uh, in terms of you know playing the passing lanes and blocking shots and being a turn on that end. And that's why I have him as my defensive player of the year. Uh, secondly, would be. Um, Giannis, just because as, as a force, he's there. Also have Jimmy Butler in there, and then last but not least, Brooke Lopez. But I'm taking Anthony Davis. Okay, so yeah, I guess, um, yeah, so so you're very high on Anthony Davis's upcoming season, right? Oh, doing yes, I am. Breakout a, year. <laughs> accomplishing what? Uh, a breakout year for a yeah, consensus uh, top ten player. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, my concern with that pick is, uh, I wonder, you, you brought up some of the, the weaker Lakers defenders that they brought in, but uh, what about Marcus Gasol? Do you think his presence out there is going to take away a little bit of, you know, when you look at that defense as a whole, do you think Gasol, I, I imagine Gasol will get some of the credit this season? Eh, I mean, I think he will as well. I just don't think he'll get enough. I also don't think he'll be playing nearly as many minutes. I think it's all like a 20-25 minute a game player. Um, AD, obviously, you're pushing 40. I just think well, the averages there will work itself out in AD's favor. I definitely think that Gasol will help with the overall defense, and he will get some credit, as he'll probably deserve. Uh, but I don't think he'll be on the floor nearly enough to uh, challenge for AD's uh, total supremacy. It'll be much like Brook Lopez and Giannis. Yeah, um, I, I like all those picks. I considered all those guys you mentioned, uh, the... 
The the guy I'm going to go with, and this is kind of a boring pick because I believe he's won it three times, but I'm going with Rudy Gobert reclaiming the Defensive Player of the Year title. Okay. I mean, I, I can't argue with that. That's a solid choice. I think, you know, right. they he was able to carry a team that, that played Bogdanovich at the four all season last year to the number 10 defense in the league. I think with the addition of Derek Favors, uh, maybe some some minor improvements from from somebody like a, like a Donovan Mitchell, uh, and just you know um, additional chemistry from this group playing together. Uh, I think they could maybe even get a little bit higher than ten. And and given you know if if they're like the seventh ranked defense, given their talent, I think that puts him right there in the conversation. Okay, I mean it's, it's very much possible. I think uh, I, I think that might be just a little voter fatigue there. Just like I tried to put Giannis in a few, but like. If the defense is that devastating, and like you said, playing with the person up, they will, then yeah, of course. All right, so uh, let's move on then to the sixth man of the year. Who do you have here? Now, this one was probably my hardest one to choose uh, because two of the guys are, are already, I mean, two are on the Lakers and one's a Clipper, and we all know the sixth man of the year is really just about who scores the most off the bench. Um, so with that being said, I, oh my gosh, you're going to hate me for this because I hedged so hard, but I also made a decision and it's going to be a retread. I went back with Montrezl Harrell. Um, I was trying to find a, 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 a correct breakout kind of award, but looking back, all the ones I saw right now that could possibly, I'm just, I'm just not overly high on any one of them. Um. To make a resurgence, although I did give strong, strong consideration to Eric Gordon. It's been a couple of years. He already won one. I think the Sixth Man of the Year. If you look back, I mean, you have, uh, ever since like 2010, I think each person. I think you had like one person won like three different times or something. It's kind of crazy, and they're all still around. But I think that Montrez is going to get. He's not going to be a starter for this Lakers team, and I think he can give a similar impact on the defensive end, having enough of his shortcomings, kind of. Um, covered up, not that that matters for the Sixth Man of the Year award, that he would be given strong consideration. Plus, the Lakers will be doing a lot of play through both him and Shooter off the bench, so his offensive touches will not um, dissipate in, in comparison to what he was on the Clippers. And I think having that impact on a similar winning team will give him strong consideration. So I went with Howard again. It's not at all the, the crazy uh, popping pick I wanted to go with, but it is a solid one that I think could definitely happen. Yeah, my uh, my only reservation there is, you know, he averaged 28 minutes a night last season with the Clippers, and with Gasol there, with Davis, with LeBron, and of course, you know, AD at the five and LeBron at the four are their most uh, effective lineups. You got to question if he's going to get back up to that number of minutes with the Lakers. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I just, I mean, you said it though. Uh, AD at the five and LeBron at the four. We know that they don't like that, and it hasn't happened outside of crunch time. So I think they'll be okay because although it's most effective, bottom line, AD doesn't like playing the five, and they put Marquise Morris in that end at the quote unquote five in, in everything but name only to acquiesce to Davis. So I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, it's possible though. Like if, if any of us get to the front office or they start thinking more like we do, then most certainly have to wonder if Montrez gets squeezed out. And come playoff time, I think he most certainly will. During the regular season, I think it's enough time for him to come in as the four um, alongside Gasol, um, coming as the four alongside AD, or play as the five with AD, since the Lakers love having smaller men alongside AD as the quote-unquote five, that it won't be that big a difference. But I, I had to call that out because you're right. It makes perfect sense to everyone, 
outside the two players actually playing set position. Yeah, so you didn't actually mention either of my top two picks here. Uh, oh, wow, let's get them. So my number one choice is Spencer Dinwiddie. Interesting. Interesting. So okay. a lot of that depends on if Kyrie stays healthy, because I think in the past Dinwiddie would have been in consideration, but he hit the, you know, went past the threshold for amount of starts to be eligible. Uh, but if if Kyrie Irving is healthy, you know, uh, I guess it'll also depend on uh, the the Nets. Obviously, have been rumored for uh, a lot of trades, and who knows what uh, sort of moves could happen if he goes out of Brooklyn. That would probably hurt his chances, and he could just start elsewhere. Um, but if he stays with the Nets, uh, I I really do like his ability to kind of be that uh, that bench spark plug. He's averaged. Uh, you know, around 18 points a game the last couple of seasons. And I think this Nets team is going to be really good, which will only help uh, an individual's chances of, of winning these uh, these awards. No, that's very solid. You're right. A lot of that comes down to health. I do have reservations on that. We're talking about Kyrie Irving here. Um, and, like, Spencer Dinwiddie just in the past between Irving and Russell just has not had that chance for a couple of years. So I unfortunately don't see that changing again, whether or not this due to injury or maybe Steve Nash and them being more lax with the 72-day game schedule and trying to better optimize the two talents on the team um, or the two main stars. So I don't see that happening, but like that's a very good pick because it, it's possible. And the, the other guy I considered was Danilo Gallinari for the Hawks. Ooh! I mean, that's possible too. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's coming off against second units. Obviously very offensively polished. He'll get enough run. Um, he'll be coming off the bench has been talked about. Yeah, that's that's another sneaky one. I like it. Yeah, and okay. and, and you know, it's it's tough to tell exactly, you know, I, I think there's similar concerns with Gallinari as I have with Harrell in terms of just the and why I didn't end up going with Gallinari is just the minutes. You wonder with with uh, Capella and with John Collins and with DeAndre Hunter and even the the rookie Anyeka Kongwu, you wonder, okay, is there 28 minutes a night for Kaladari on this team? Um, so so that, that was why I ended up going with Dinwiddie, because I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, because Dinwiddie can play the one and the two, and, you know, he's just a very solid basketball player, whatever team he plays on, he's going to play probably close to 30 minutes a night and, and be able to put up those numbers. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, just how well, you know, those guys obviously haven't really been in consideration in previous years, in part because their teams weren't good enough, but also because of, you know, they, they haven't been eligible in, 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 uh, in the past. So let's, uh, let's move on to the, the final uh, individual award, and that is Most Improved Player. All right. I went with uh, to Houston, and I went with DeMarcus Cousins. Oh wow! Okay, I I I love this, and 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 I'm guessing this is a pick where you were a little bit swayed by uh, by his performance in the uh, preseason opener. And you would be almost certainly right. <laughs> I, I will say this: I was very optimistic going in to begin with. I thought that Cousins, with unfortunate injuries that affected his lift, I thought that his skill set would be fine. You know what I mean? He's still going to be a guy. His size. He's still going to be six eleven. You know, 280 or whatever the case may be, his shot is still going to be solid. I figure that a lot of his skills will be transferable if he could just stay on the court. I don't I don't see that decline as Marcus. Is he like a guy you build around? No. But I thought he would still be a very solid player. But I, I mean, watching that, and yes, it's preseason, but whoa. Like, that took 
just skyrocketed. And I'm not gonna lie, like that immediately put me there. And I was I was gonna put, go with him originally, um, and he actually beat Westbrook because that Westbrook was my second choice. Um, <laughs> For most but, improved. <laughs> yes, and and here's why. I get it because people. This thing, the Westbrook argument, everyone either goes with, all right, he's uh, this, you know, inefficient, this and that, not a good player, but then. 27 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. So I'm saying they're going to be up sufficiency while keeping the same numbers. Maybe getting another triple-double season. Most improved. I mean, you can form yourself a, a word around that. But then I went with the more conventional one, which was DeMarcus. And a lot of that was just seeing him. I'm like, whoa, if he's playing like this, you know, as active as he was, as, as, as nimble, his three-point stroke was still there, his physicality around the basket is still just strong as ever. Like, that's possible. Yeah, you don't like my unorthodox picks there, Garrett, but they're, they're, they're cooking. Well, I honestly think Cousins is a bit unorthodox as well because he he would be more of a case of a guy that uh, didn't necessarily improve as much as he just got injured a bunch of times and then regained his prior form. Um, which I don't I don't know how many examples of that there's been, but I, I it would be a terrific story if he's able to to uh, to come back and and put up a you know not only be healthy, but put up great numbers. The The other challenge with Houston, though, being that uh, they also signed uh, a guy that I know you like as well that plays the same position in Christian Wood. Now, that is true. That is true. But I think that with Houston, the way that those two can play, you can have, and DeMarcus talked about it, being more of the guy who plays the physical centers and having Wood play more of the fours, more of the rangy fives. Uh, and I ultimately, I think Styles will go with the one who's most effective. Wood's going to get his time on the floor. Both of them can share time on the floor in more conventional lineups. But I think that the Cousins will definitely do some damage. I mean, playing like that, man. That, I mean, yes, a preseason game against Chicago Bulls. Like, you know, forget small sample size theater. That's just small, inaccurate sample size theater. But the, but the point for me is that I just ended up putting those two awards together. The comeback player of the award and the most improved player uh, in regards to DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, I, uh, you know, you, uh, you never fail to surprise me, Corbin. That's why I like having you on the pod. <laughs> um, so, so uh, my my pick for most improved is Michael Porter Jr. Much more, yeah, that's a good one. You don't see the regression from him possibly having to, you know, not only get healthier people, but also his uh, the book is out on his uh, offensive talent but defensive weakness. Well, I mean, I think the the big thing with most improved is often just, uh, you know, and this is a, a bit unfortunate, and, and it's kind of the same with sixth man. It's very predicated on points per game. Um, you know, we, we saw it even with, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram had some had some shooting improvements as well, but he also had a big, uh, a big jump in his points per game. I believe when C.J. McCollum won it, he, he had a big jump. Uh, so, you know, you, you think about our, our last impression of Michael Porter Jr. was from, from Orlando, and obviously he averaged a lot of points per game in that in that eight-game regular season, but the the actual comparison we're going to be making for most improved is his total uh, season last year. And uh, if you take that and then think about what sort of numbers he's going to put up likely starting on this Nuggets team, uh, it's going to be... Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a significant jump. I would not be surprised if he gets to, you know, around 18 points a game this season. I think he's going to have all the opportunities, all the shots to to do that. Um, you know, um, Jeremy Grant is is gone now, so uh, you know that's that's some more opportunities to play on the wing. 
Uh, Will Barton has uh, and and Gary Harris have had their injury issues over the years, so I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to play a lot. And yeah, obviously this this is predicated on on him continuing to stay healthy. But uh, in terms of those those jumps that you you kind of uh, would would need to to win most improved in the past, I expect Porter Jr. to to have those leaps. And uh, I think he's uh, he's likely a guy that that I expect to improve as well, just from a from a general standpoint. He's he's at a he's at that age where you would anticipate guys getting better. I mean that is true. Right up in in the, in the time where they really start scaling up, that's true. I. You made a good point. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly swayed. <laughs> yeah, and the the other guy I considered was a guy um, for the Chicago Bulls, and that's Kobe White. Ooh, that's the one that could get some run. Yeah, he's gonna be what probably their starting point guard. Definitely show some flashes down to end of last season uh, before the stoppage. Yeah, he's someone that could definitely do that. Wow. Um, and yeah, I think he. Um, I don't. I don't have the stats with me, but uh, after the All Star break. He put up some some really impressive numbers, and yeah, just to uh, just to reiterate Porter's total stats from from his rookie campaign, he averaged just nine point three points per game and four point seven rebounds. So you know he could probably he could you know on the on the high end he could he could theoretically add ten points per game and you know maybe three rebounds as well. But uh, yeah, Kobe White is a guy that uh, yeah he's going to get plenty of opportunity. You know, you, you can say what you want about Billy Donovan, but he's been a guy that I think has had a lot of success with guards, getting good seasons out of them. So, uh, you know, and, and again, Kobe White, another player that uh, is uh, is young, improving, and hopefully a higher skill set. Yeah, very, very true. The, 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 it's in play. It's in play, and you're right. I mean, it, it, let's just be real. Donovan's been lucky to have been playing with such greats like Russell Westbrook and also, you know, Chris Paul. But no, in the past, he's done such a good job, and you're right. Um, with the skills that, that White has, and White's a good player, you know, it's going to be a market improvement over his previous coach, and I think you're right. That's going to have a lot to do with the fact that he's very much in play for that. All right, so let's get into the uh, the more of the team awards, uh, which would be the, um, you know, outside of the player ranks. That would be the first one to talk about would be Coach of the Year. Corbin, who do you have winning that this season? So for me, Coach of the Year, I mean, uh, you know, a lot is on sustained team success and everything. I went on a guy that probably should have won it last year who didn't. That would have been Frank Vogel. Okay, that's not a lot. I mean, I said that that is a lot. I said I went with, I was going to go with a guy like Frank Vogel. I feel like he played very solid last year and could have won it. Um, but then the more I thought about it, I decided to give it to somebody else, and that guy is Monty Williams. I think that, Ooh. Uh, yes, with the improvement that the Suns have made, uh, the fact that that 8-0 bubble run will factor heavily into the Suns' season this year, especially if they play as strong as they were. Um, but if they play strong out the gate, with the addition of Chris Paul and some retooled bench pieces, uh, like the second Etwan Moore, Langston Galloway, these other guys, I think Monty Williams can put it all together, get some respect for leading the Suns out the playoff draft that they've had for 11 seasons, and I think he'll be rewarded with Coach of the Year. Uh, I am very excited now to hear uh, just where you have the Phoenix Suns in the uh, playoff picture. We'll get to that later on. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, I'm I'm very excited about the Suns this season. That's a that's a that's a nice pick. Uh, so so my choice, and uh, again, this is a guy that I think has been 
kind of on the periphery of the coach of the year discussion for many years but just has never gotten over the hump there's been some a few seasons where they won a ton of games and he just didn't get as much credit as as he deserved and then other seasons where they kind of disappointed a bit but this year I and and this is partly because I'm I'm pretty high on this team but I've got Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz that's solid that's solid yeah I mean he's a guy that yeah the team is going to be right there um probably better on yours than on mine, but if they win a good amount of games and they are all healthy, then yeah, you can definitely get credit for it. That's, that's a really solid pick as well. And Snyder's a very good coach. You know, like you said, mostly underrated, but pretty good. Yeah, and then I had a I had an out-of-the-box choice that I think you'll like. Well, uh, let's hear it. Steve Nash. Whoa! Okay. Hey, that's possible too. Rookie of, rookie of the Year coach Steve... <laughs> rookie of the Year uh, coach of the year. There you go. That, I mean, it's possible, yeah. Unorthodox Yeah, I mean, there there obviously were some comparisons to, to Nash and, and Steve Kerr, and Kerr came in there, and I believe he won the, the Coach of the Year in, in his first season, correct? Um, I think so, yeah, 2015, right? Yeah, so, you know, if the Nets come out and uh, exceed expectations and, and uh, you know, the drama with Kyrie and Durant, if, if Nash is able to to uh you know handle all of that and get this team playing really well and and with one of the better records in the league wouldn't shock me at all if he is uh, is in consideration but yeah he's kind of my out of the box pick there but uh let's hear who you have at uh, executive of the year so i had to look back on the off season to different teams uh you know see what moves were made what would qualify them to be in um i was going to leave toward travis schlank i ended up going with rob Polinka. I think that for a championship team, I couldn't remember one outside the Dallas Mavericks, um, 2011-2012, and for totally different reasons, that a team made so much turnover, um, you know, after they won a title. Uh, but I like some of the moves that the Lakers have done. Uh, you know, many have them, myself included, as like winners of the offseason. Even with the move like Montrez, that is, uh, let's just say, interesting. But I think the pickup of Schroeder would be a big boon for their scoring um, to alleviate some from AD and LeBron. I think having Montrez... Um, you know, flawed player, but still a very skilled player will also come in handy. Um, Marcus Gasol, Wesley Matthews, these guys, you know, I think that they're going to um, give Palenka the credit he needs. And it's off the second year that he's made moves that, you know, the general public weren't super fond of, but they end up being mad effective. Like, literally every player that was questioned. So, um, I'm going with Palenka. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's not a bad choice at all. Yeah, if the Lakers, uh, and, and I, I do think that the moves they made this offseason will help their regular season production, which I think that factors more into this. And, and also he could just get it as kind of a byproduct of, of uh, you know, winning, winning last season's championship as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had a couple of guys, and my number one choice will be Sean Marks for the Nets. Um, okay. I think, uh, you know, almost as like a delayed reaction because Durant didn't play last year and uh, and uh, Irving played so few games. But also, I think if, if the Nash hire works out, um, you know, he's done a really good job in terms of building the depth on this roster. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that. And then, you know, kind of my, my number two choice was uh, Tim Connolly with the Denver Nuggets, another situation where maybe some of their draft picks and you know, Jokic, Murray, Porter Jr., Bull Bull, a lot of these guys just uh, have have uh, career seasons, and, you know, the, the Nuggets have, have a terrific record. Uh, he's another guy that I think would be in consideration. 
That's interesting. I'm not person as how Denver's off season through no fault of their own, but just being kind of stuck in this place where you know they weren't they had they weren't able to bring back Grant, um, or Grant didn't want to come back, or whatever the case may be. There, um, yeah, over reliance on a lot of the young guys. If it works out well, then great. But um, personally, I don't know. I don't know. But I, it could happen very much. So the Nuggets still gonna be a very good team, and and you know with uh, success, you know comes adulation, and that could be one of the byproducts of that. Yeah, and and I'm I'm largely in agreement with you there. I guess my the difference in opinion we might have is that I don't think it's going to their off season is not going to impact Denver's regular season uh, success. I think it's more of a playoff deterrent than anything. Not having Grant around anymore, um, so uh, the 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 executive of the year. I'm not sure exactly how much they they factor in the the, the playoff run, but uh, I think it is largely a regular season award. So in that case, losing Grant, which again, as you said, was not uh, was not their fault, will will not negatively impact his chances too much. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I believe that's all of the sort of individual awards, correct? We've gone through all. Yeah, I think we got them. Okay, so uh, let's move on then to uh, the All NBA teams, and and let's start with the first team, Corbin. Who do you have as the uh, the backcourt on the uh, first team All NBA for the 2020-21 season? All right, so I took uh, Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic. That's we're and, we're in complete agreement. Okay, there we are. Uh, there we go. I'm glad we did that. We got Damian Luka uh, in the back. We went around off the rest of the team. Um, yeah, we, we can talk wait, about wait, the, wait. the. Let me break up. Let me break up your backcourt. Oh, we got the same. So let's go. Yeah, let's talk about it. Well, I mean. First off, I guess we, we both have excluded James Harden, and I'm assuming uh, your logic is the same as mine, that this all of the, the drama this offseason has made you uh, uh, just confused and skeptical about what he's going to do this season, whether he's going to sit out, whether he's going to show up and play hard night tonight. Uh, all of those things makes me... I still have him on one of my teams. I'll, I'll, uh, there, there's a spoiler for you, but uh, yeah, just all, all of this drama has it so that, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't uh, put him down as first team. Whereas, you know, if I knew he was playing hard and playing uh, for for the Rockets this season, I think uh, he would be an automatic first teamer. No, I agree. I agree. I have him on one of mine as well. Um, and for the rest of the same reasons, I just don't know what to expect because I can't put first. Yeah, so, um, and then, yeah, we, we both obviously are super high on Luka. Neither of us had him, like, uh, you know, uh, I guess you had him in your top four in the MVP discussion, and I would probably have him right around four or five. But I just think with Porzingis's situation and the fact that you know the Mavs have set themselves up for for uh, you know max level cap space in 2021, I feel like the MVP season for Luca comes in a year or two as opposed to uh, to this season. But I do expect him to put up monster numbers and and lead Dallas to the playoffs, which. Uh, We'll, we'll likely get him on this first team. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. Real saw. I'm looking forward to his season. And, you know, I already I already mentioned earlier that I'm I'm bullish on the Blazers and, and Lillard's, uh, you know, similar situation where uh, I think he's going to put up monster numbers on a, on a decent playoff team. Uh, but, yeah, let's uh, let's move into the uh, the front court. Who do you have there? All right, so that's the remaining three spots. I have, uh, and this might be controversial, LeBron. Davis and Jokic. Okay, so we're in agreement on two of the three. Uh, what the difference is, LeBron? Actually, the difference is Davis. Whoa. <laughs> okay, I am to say the least very 
Yeah, I mean the uh, uh, I I have Davis on my second team just to 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 say it. Um, the uh, the issue here is like I I feel like you know when when it's all said and done and you look at their numbers this season and and uh, you know if, if I had to bet who's going to have the 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 higher value for the regular season, I would I would say it's probably going to be Davis. Uh, but when I'm when I'm considering like what the voters are going to do here, and and obviously they they tend to look at the numbers, and uh, I think even if LeBron sits for for back to backs and doesn't play every night, uh, LeBron has gotten to a point where you can you can pretty much uh, you know write down twenty five and probably nine assists every night for LeBron. So I think his statistical profile might just slightly edge Davis, and and that's why he'll get in there ahead of him. But uh, yeah, I I mean I'm I uh, I could see it going either way, certainly. Okay, yeah, most definitely. I mean, at least enough of the case. I'm I'm on board with you. I pencil LeBron off the top. I thought AD was a nine on two. If I was even gonna think about one, it was Jokic. But the more I thought about, him, I might go he's in there. Yeah. So um, I had LeBron, Giannis, and Jokic. Uh, as opposed to, to Davis there. But, uh, yeah, as far as Giannis, I mean, I think we're both in agreement. It's very possible that he could be MVP for a third consecutive season. Uh, and so, yeah, he's got to be there. The Bucks are going to be great once again, even with the drama of him potentially uh, uh, leaving next off season. But uh, And then, yeah, obviously I had Jokic as my MVP, so clearly he'd have to be on my, uh, my first team All-NBA. I feel that for sure. All right, so let's uh, uh, let's move on to to second team then. Who do you have in the backcourt on the second team? All right, so I have Trey Young and James Harden. Okay, um, so uh, we both had James Harden here, and it's tough again because you know he could be first team. He could be on none of these teams. Honestly, that's uh, it's yeah, just that's it's just. It's just impossible to predict, but, uh, you know, even if he's playing at 80%, I think he's going to make one of these teams. You know, he can basically put up 30 a night in his sleep at this stage of his career. Uh, so, yeah, I'm in agreement there. I actually went with, uh, and it's it's funny because I know you're obviously pretty high on this team, the Phoenix Suns, but I've got Devin Booker here. Oh, wow. Now, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but I got Booker on one. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, but that's so. solid. Yeah, so uh, I guess the disagreement here is Trey Young, and I'll just say I, we we actually uh, probably just flipped Trey Young and uh, <laughs> and Devin Booker because I have Trey Young on my third team. Okay, so we have them just different areas. Yes. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about your front court on the second team. Who do you got there? All right. So for the first one, it was uh, LeBron, AD, and Jokic. Um, for this one, it's Kawhi, Tatum, and Giannis. Okay, so yeah, we're uh, we've got the exact same guys on the first and second team. Yeah, I have Kawhi, Tatum, and Davis here. Okay, see, so we just swapped Davis and Giannis around. Yes, but more or less the same. I think Tatum's gonna build off. The only problem I have is if Davis, if Tatum plays more like he did um, in February or in the bubble. Either way, it's still a good player, but I think there's a market difference between the two. Um, but if he plays more like he did in that month of February, then he would be first team for me. Um, and I. Don't think he will, so I don't have to worry about who I'd replace if he did. Um, but yeah, and then Kawhi is Kawhi. Like I don't think you're gonna get enough production to get him up to first for me. But you know by what you get, that he'll be a solid second for sure. 
Yeah, and I think Tatum, you know, with with Hayward gone now, it's going to be even more responsibility on Tatum's shoulders. Uh, and, and as you said, we saw in the latter portion of the season prior to the shutdown and also in the bubble, him take some steps as a playmaker. Uh, he's obviously a two-way player as well, contributing on the, on the defensive end. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I like him. I think he's going to lead the Celtics to a pretty similar record. I don't think they're going to have the drop-off that some people have uh, – have projected but yeah so uh, let's let's move to the third team and so you have uh, you have Booker as one of your guards and I have Trey Young who is your other guard on the third team so this is hard for me because I want to put Bradley Beal I felt like Bradley Beal deserved it last year um, which was a lot saying you know what team he played on and how bad they were and how apathetic his defense was but this time I'm gonna leave him off again I'm gonna give it to his backcourt mate Russell Westbrook Okay, I mean, yeah, the uh, he. I'm gonna go third team again. I think I think he has another one in him. Yeah, uh, he's been a guy that uh, um, <laughs> you're gonna hate me for saying this, but uh, <laughs> you know hasn't necessarily been deserving of getting on these teams, but purely out of the for the reasons of his counting stats has has consistently gotten on here, especially towards the the latter end of them. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if if that's the case. Um, I went with uh, with Steph Curry here. I mean, it's possible. I, I just don't think he'll be healthy enough, quite frankly. I mean, that's fair. Uh, there there are some concerns there. Of course, earlier in his career, he had the ankle issues. Although, you know, last year was, was pretty fluky with the wrist injury with Baines falling on it awkwardly. True. Uh, True. So you would hope that, uh, you know, he doesn't suffer another one of those weird injuries. And, and yeah, he's had some, some knee issues as well. So, yeah, it's a concern, and yeah, the, I think the Warriors are absolutely toast if he gets hurt, even for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so uh, that, but but I do think he's going to be able to put up some some pretty pretty great numbers. I still think he's one of the top five offensive players in the league when healthy. Uh, so so yeah, I've got him there. Although yeah, it could be uh, you know it wouldn't shock me if he's first team if things go well enough if Draymond and Steph stay healthy and the Warriors excel. He could be a first-team level player, but yeah, if he if he misses a bunch of games, uh, uh, he he obviously could could miss these entirely. So it's uh, similar to Harden. It's kind of it could be all over the place with Curry. Very true. Yeah, you're right. Feast or famine. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's finish out the All NBA teams with the third team front court. Right. So I took Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and Pascal Siakam. Okay, so we have we have, we're all we're completely different here. Um, interesting. Oh, okay, I'm glad we did that. Okay, cool. So we need some variety. <laughs> I'm going with Kevin Durant, Whoa. Chris Middleton, oh. and Joel Embiid. Wow, no, I I I, <laughs> I I I I respect your takes. I no, that's interesting. I I look at for Durant. I look at injury, right, and just how healthy he'll be moving forward, how long he'll play. For Milton, I think I could see some clear regression from him this year. Now to take on more of a defensive responsibility, I don't think he'll be as strong as he was last year offensively. And then for Embiid, that's a good one. I, I just had, I just, I don't know, I, don't, I didn't think of Embiid for that one. That, that's a good one. That's, I mean, you, all your picks are good. I just didn't, like, I thought about those two guys you mentioned before, and those were why I excluded them. Um, whereas Embiid, I, I got to tell you, I just didn't think about him like that. Wow, that is okay. Yeah, I like that we have. Uh, that just shows how different and, and unique our basketball takes are. That we were pretty similar on a few, and then they were like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you know, with Middleton, I, I thought he was a deserving third-team All-NBA guy last year and just oh, didn't yeah. didn't make it. Um, so if he puts up similar stats and the Bucks are even close to as good as they were last year, I think he, you know, it, very reasonable to suggest that he could make the third team. Uh, and then with Durant, you know, uh, I think I'm even a little bit lower than most on Durant. Uh, when, when I did my top 30 rankings with Scott Levine, I actually had him ranked 13th. But, uh, um, you know, to make the third team, essentially, that's saying you were a top 15 guy. And I have him at, at that spot. So, uh, yeah, there, there is concerns as to whether he'll play enough games and if that'll hurt him. Uh, just, uh, you know, with, with the Nets being super cautious making sure that he doesn't uh, re-injure himself. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, I think it's it's pretty reasonable to suggest that he could put up 25 points a game again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just with his height, he's probably going to grab close to eight rebounds. So, yeah, I, I, I don't expect Durant to be like a, a top five player anymore or like an MVP contender. But, yeah, making third team All-NBA is not that. <laughs> No, it's definitely in play. I see what you're saying. I have to agree there. Yeah, it's possible. We didn't talk much about uh, Trey Young, but, uh, I mean, for me, it's it's really just the case of I, I expect the Hawks to be better this year. He already put up, like, all NBA-level numbers last season, but it was just that he was on a terrible team. If the Hawks get to average and he, he continues to put up, the, like, a, basically 30 points and 10 assists, you know, that's an all NBA-level player. That's what I was thinking, too. Offensively, he has more talent. He could have easily had, like, 11 or 12 assists last year if he had teammates who could convert more shots. This year, he does. I think you do that, bring the same scoring. If he even shows an ounce of aptitude on the defensive end, which already, of course, with the size and, you know, and strength um, working against him, that's an issue. But just being more aware, I think you add that just off the raw numbers alone. Yeah, you said it. That's all NBA in my mind. So there were, there were three guys that I had just missing out that I wanted to mention, and if you got any honorable mentions, feel free to, to bring, bring them up. But uh, uh, a guy, uh, you know, obviously he had an incredible bubble, but I think Jamal Murray could, could potentially get into the All-NBA uh, territory this season. You know, if he's averaging 22 points a game and, and six assists this season and, you know, improves that three-point percentage to, to 38%, uh, I think he would have a, a case, especially considering I think the Nuggets are going to have a really good record. Uh, Chris Paul is another guy that uh, I think would have a chance, especially if the Suns are uh, going to be as uh, as good as I think we both expect them to be. Uh, I think he'll get a lot of credit for that and could be in, in consideration. And also, you know, my pick for Defensive Player of the Year, it's funny to have the, the Defensive Player of the Year not on one of the All-NBA teams, but I think Gobert will certainly be in consideration for, for one of those final front court spots. That's funny. I had another jazz, man. I picked uh, Donovan Mitchell as one I left on the outside looking in. Uh, and then really my only big one was Bradley Beal. Okay, yeah. Let's let's move on to the all-defensive teams. and there, There's only two of these, but uh, first team all-defense, who do you have at the guard spots? Oh, my gosh. So uh, this was beyond hard for me, but ultimately I end up going with Drew Holiday at one. Um, and then for the other, I, I put Paul George. Interesting. Okay, so we, we agree on Holiday. Uh, I think with uh, with Milwaukee being such an elite defense, I think his individual brilliance is going to be showcased even more on this team than it was ever with, with New Orleans. 
so, so yeah, I think he is a clear favorite if he can stay healthy to, to make this team. Uh, I, I went with Marcus Smart, uh, kind of just, uh, you know, uh, kind of just as a safe pick. You know, he's a guy that's been a pretty consistent defender and is always going to be in consideration here. True. I have, I have Smart on my second team. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah I make your... I oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, only two teams, whatever. <laughs> make your case for Paul George, because I didn't have him on either of my teams. So, I picked Paul George. Or maybe because I fed into the hype of what he said he was going to do this year and everything. Um, more than likely, that's exactly what I did. But I feel like you have another strong season. He obviously prides himself on playing on both ends of the ball. He does a good job of doing that. I think they can make a case there. It may have been a stretch sliding him to the two, but he plays between the two and the three. So I, I, I just figured that a strong season was in play. He's been the, and last year was the one year I felt like he definitely wasn't in this consideration, but he's been around it for the last couple of seasons. So in my mind, I mean, he even had a few votes uh, last year at the guard spot. Uh, nowhere near the amount of some. I think he finished like three. Um, but even then, getting some, I think he can get a little resurgence there. No, absolutely. I could, I could definitely see it. He would, he would probably be if there were three teams, which I think you know, why not have three, three of these teams? Exactly. Uh, I think yeah, he would probably have, have made it for me. You know, if we're if we're talking about players that uh, you know had some had some comments that's uh, this off season as a as a measuring stick for all NBA, we got to consider Bradley Beal, right? He had a quote saying that uh, he's upset at the quote unquote narrative of his bad defense, and that's the thing yeah. he wants to improve the most. Unfortunately, there is no all delusion awards. So <laughs> I can't give it to him. Narrative. That's that's funny. I mean, we watched a lot of Wizards ball this past year. Uh, I, I don't know if it was a narrative or, or just what it was. Maybe <laughs> yeah. he, I mean, that was that had me laughing, and I like it. But like, dude, like, do that about something we can't clearly prove, you know? And right, I'd, I'd much rather that. just, I'd much rather just have the player walk the walk than, than talk the talk in this exactly. situation. Exactly. You'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm an all defensive player, I just haven't shown it. There, now you give yourself an out that you haven't shown it all because I haven't shown, not because we didn't see it, because we, we saw like. You dying on screens and not getting back, and like that's obvious. That that, I mean, we still got league pass till December twenty eighth from this past year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's hear who you have in the front court on your your first team all D. All right, so front court for me, I went basic. I took basically the last year's team. Um, I just couldn't find the case to argue against it, so I took AD, who I think will be uh, defense player of the year the second season. Uh, Giannis, who was defense player of the year last year. And then Rudy Gobert, who has been around the periphery that last three years, and I could not find a case to take any of those guys out. So while I feel bad, I don't feel that bad because they're all solid picks. Well, and we're we're in complete agreement there. There's that that's my front court as well. So uh, yeah, it's dry. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the second team uh, guards, and you said one of those was Marcus Smart. Who's your other guard? All right, so. Okay, nice. Yeah, he's been a guy that has made uh, a few, a couple of second teams, I believe, in his career. Exactly, and I feel he'll do it again. Um, I was going to put Bledsoe, but Bledsoe's down a system like the Bucks, where that defense will be key. Um, someone that was really going to give me was Chris Dunn. Uh, but again, I'm just worried about how many minutes he'll get, and also, when you're on a team like you are, um, you know, where, yeah, you might look good because you're one of the few, one of the few good defensive players on a bad defensive team, but sometimes that can work against you. And so I felt like that just might have done. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, I've got a couple of different guys here. I've got DeJounte Murray and Ben Simmons. No, that's good. I like Murray there. I definitely like Murray there. Uh, he got a few votes last year, I think, too. Um, but he was more like the, um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's another guy. Like he got, he, he, I think he got similar votes to 
the guard spot, yeah, it's very possible. Well, and uh, I um, I think with you know Derek White's emergence uh, in the bubble, I think he's going to be the primary ball handler for the Spurs moving forward, and I think that will allow Murray to kind of focus more on on his defense, and he's also now a couple of years removed from that that ACL, so. I like his chances to, to get back. Uh, I believe he made a, a second team two or three years ago. But, uh, yeah, and then Ben Simmons, obviously, he, he made it last year. Uh, I don't think there's really much to be that needs to be said about him as long as he stays healthy. Yep, I agree. Not, nothing much to talk about that for sure. All right, so uh, let's, let's move to the front court on the second team. Who do you got? All right, so I got Bam Adebayo. I got Kawhi. And then I did not want to go uh, Brook Lopez. I actually wanted to go Jalen Brown um, as another solid defender. But then ultimately I thought, you know, as long as he benefits from playing with Giannis, he's going to be in the defensive player of the year or defensive team considerations under with Brook Lopez. And honestly, I'm not going to lie. The defensive teams were so frustrating to me because I wanted to make change for the sake of change. But I didn't really know what players were like. I could Talk myself into getting that vote, and so I felt like I did retread. So I'm gonna like six man of the year in that way. Yeah. Um, so so I went with Bam. I'm in agreement there. Uh, I uh, my other two are different. I went with Joel Embiid, and then and then this one uh, might be a little bit out of the box. I think uh, the NBA nerds already know that this guy is an excellent defender, but I think he's also going to put some put up some statistics to back it up. Uh, some counting statistics, and that's OG Ananobi. That's very possible. So he yeah. he he already last season, I think he upped his steals uh, to one point four per game, and is rebounding up over five. Uh, I could see him getting close to two steals a game, and maybe six or seven rebounds, and that combined with his uh, superb one on one defense, I think. Uh, might get him in here, and I think this is a this is a, a team that I think OG could could really live on for uh, for the foreseeable future. No, no, I agree. That's solid. You're right. He's some, that's a guy I didn't even think about. Oh, my gosh. That's annoying. <laughs> that's annoying because he makes a good case. That's a good pick. You're right. Someone who's been a solid defender just in general. You know, um, wow, that sucks, Corbin. <laughs> well, and I, I think... <laughs> You know, I think Toronto, um, you know, is a team that's going to be good enough defensively. Even with the loss losses of uh, of Gasol and Ibaka, I think they're still going to be a pretty solid defensive team, and they're they're going to get some sort of representation here. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I I almost like the the Brook Lopez pick that you had over my Joel Embiid pick. Certainly, you know, I, I think Brook is the safer bet. Uh, I just, um, I have a feeling that this could be kind of a, you know, given what Daryl Morey did with the roster, I think Simmons and Embiid might be a little happier with uh, with their uh, role players now, and, and we could see the best from them this season. So that's why I kind of see Embiid with a little bit higher upside, and, and I'm going to go with that. That's solid. I'm with it. I, I'm totally with it. on board. All right. So, uh, yeah, was there... Uh, was there anybody else uh, we didn't talk about that we mentioned or and or uh, any honorable mentions that uh, you had in your notes that uh, you wanted to bring up? Um, not really. Uh, Chris Dunn, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, that, you, know. I, you know, you you mentioned the, the, the minutes issue, and I, I'm in agreement. He's certainly an all-NBA-level defender. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, especially with Rondo there, 
the acquisition of Bogdanovich. They, they've got enough in the backcourt where you can't just pencil in Chris Dunn for even 20 minutes, let alone 24 to 30 that you would probably need to be in this discussion. Exactly. And I, I thought that, you know, in Miami, Avery Bradley might get some, whether he should or should not, some defensive love. Um, but he did a very solid job for the Lakers. I think it was kind of underrated. Um, just because of his whole kind of dog mentality in recent years, kind of just falling as like a guy who just kind of, not a Pat Bev jumps around man type deal, but um, just someone I think in Miami system could also be a really good defender. But again, um, how many he's going to get um, with Kendrick Nunn and them there is more of a platoon situation. And so ultimately I left him out. But those are my two. Well, and a guy that I just thought of, and I think he's made one second team previously in his career, but uh, that's Robert Covington. You know, if Portland's defense is... Uh, significantly improved, you know, him and Jones Jr. are going to be given the lion's share of the credit. So, you know, um, you know, say Portland overachieves and, and gets to like 12th in defense. I think one of those guys is going to be in consideration. Yeah, that's another solid one too. You're right. And they and as they should because their wing core will be massively improved on the defensive end, going from no wings to some really good solid defensive ones. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's move towards the, uh, this is probably the, the one that I'm least excited to talk about, but uh, we're going to do it because we're uh, we're thorough on this podcast. The uh, First team all rookie. So let's start in the back, well, I guess there aren't backcourt and frontcourt designations with, it's just five guys, so why don't you just name your five guys on the first team? That sounds good. All right, so I took um, Ballin Edwards, uh, Okoro, Okongu, and Wiseman. I think all five will have unique chances to make an impact. Um, I'm really high on what Okoro, Okongu, and Wiseman can do on their respective teams. Where I'm not gonna lie, I kind of just put Ball there. I feel like he'll have enough flash that he'll be nominated there, and he might make somewhat of an impact in Charlotte. And I'm still usually hot on Edwards, even after seeing his first preseason game. I was able to excuse myself by saying that it was just a preseason, so we'll see how it is. But that's my team first: um, Ball, Edwards, Okoro, Okongu, and Wiseman. Wow, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious because you were even considering Toppin as Rookie of the Year, but he's not on your first team. So I almost had him on the first team over Okongwu. But then I looked and I was like, you know, I like, I, I'm, I'm, maybe my draft analysis is kind of playing at odds with what I think will happen. Because Toppin is on my second team, but he couldn't uh, usurp uh, Okongwu for me. I feel like what he's going to bring on the end for Atlanta as like this uh, kind of small big off the bench will be impactful for them. Okay, so I, I had the I had uh, four of the five the same. Yeah, I just had Toppin instead of a Kongwu, and I think we we both were higher on a Kongwu than Toppin when we did our when we did our big boards. So I'm in agreement that uh, I like a Kongwu as a prospect more. I just expect Toppin not only to get more minutes but to just put up more counting stats. You know, a Kongwu. Uh, sitting there probably as the the backup center in Atlanta, so there's just a limited opportunity there. So, uh, yeah, I didn't even have a Kongwu in my uh, second team either, and uh, that's despite, as you know, I had him second on my uh, my draft board. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... <laughs> it's crazy how that is, though. Like, what we think makes good prospects and make good players, and then we're trying to, like, pick for the consensus, you know? Right. So let's get into the second team then. And why don't you tell me who you got on the second team? Uh, to Killian Hayes, Devin Vassell, uh, Patrick Williams, Obi Toppin, and Denny Advocate. 
Okay, so yeah, we're we're pretty similar. I had uh, I had Hayes and Williams. You said Vassal, correct? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, so those three were the same. Uh, but I had uh, Nesmith, Aaron Nesmith, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Okay, both those are solid ones. I just left off my list for the second team as well. Yeah. So, so uh, let's see. Yeah, we we differed on Akongwu. And then, who is the guy? I'm trying to think who is the guy. Um, Advia, yeah. Advia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like he might have an impact in Utah. It's like the small ball kind of uh, playmaking four. Or in, in Washington. In Washington, yeah, on non-Westbrook minutes. Yeah, I could see that. And yeah, I guess with Nesmith, I, I um, you know, given the absence of Gordon Hayward, I could see him filling in as kind of that main wing off the bench and, and you know, I think the Celtics roster just, I think he's a great fit for that team because they just desperately need a guy out there that's just a sharpshooter. So not only is there a role there for him, but I also think he's a he's a great fit. So that's why I have him. But but yeah, I could see uh, Advia. I think he Advia might get, is probably going to get more run being a higher pick as well and being on a, on a frankly, a, a worse team. So that comes, typically comes with more opportunities for rookies. I guess Halliburton as well, I think with, uh, especially with Sacramento, not uh, matching that Bogdanovich offer, there's plenty of room and opportunity for him, and he was a guy that we were both very high on. Yeah, no, I think he's going to have, I think he's going to have a nice year. I think he really is going to have a year. I don't know if Walt will maximize the best happen, but I think he's going to have a a good uh, chance to make an impact on both ends. All right, so... uh... That's that's it for all of the uh, you know the the all NBA teams, the all rookie teams, all of the individual awards. So what's left is uh, our predictions for these teams and what seeds they're going to get, which eight teams in each conference uh, are going to make the playoffs, which teams are going to make the conference finals, which teams are going to make the uh, are going to be the conference champions, and then finally we'll finish off with uh, our pick for NBA champion for the 2021 season. Uh, so. Let's start, Corbin, with the Eastern Conference. Uh, why don't you just uh, break down your uh, one through eight selections? And so I guess I should state that, uh, and I don't know if you did this the same way I did, but uh, of course there is going to be a play-in tournament, but I'm essentially just selecting which eight teams I think are going to be in those spots and which teams I would probably anticipate making it through that play-in. I did the exact same thing, yeah. Just, just like, okay, playoffs start, playing and everything's in the rear view mirror. Who's in? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I took Bucks at number one, 76ers at number two, Raptors number three, Celtics number four, Nets number five, Pacers number six, Wizards number seven, and Hawks number eight. And the Magic will not make the playoffs this year, as you can tell. Okay, so... um. I'm just trying to figure this out. So you had the Wizards in, and so you... Oh, okay, so I think the difference is I've got the Hawks. Oh, uh, I have the Hawks at eight. Do you have the... Okay, so i got to figure out what team you do not have that I have. Do you have the... Okay, can you say it again? All right, Bucks, 76ers, Raptors, Celtics, Nets, Pacers, Wizards, Hawks. So you do not have the Miami Heat making the playoffs? Oh, sheesh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I was oh my what? Goodness. I had to do it. Footage. 
I had to do I had to do a a devil take there. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Okay, so I'm about to send you a screenshot of what my list looks like. But I have East and West written down, and I have Raptors written down, a team I crossed off, Celtics written down, a team I crossed off, Pacers written down, another team I crossed off, the Wizards written down. So I like did it four different times, and not in at all. Oh my God! Give me a second. I'm gonna fly. <laughs> Well, while you're while you're sort of um, editing your list, I'll I'll mention mine. <laughs> it, it happens to the best of us. So, oh my at, at my number one, I had the Bucks. At two, I had the Brooklyn Nets. At three, I <laughs> yeah, I had the Nets at two. Whoa. Um, I got the Miami Heat at the three seed. The Toronto Raptors four. The Boston Celtics 5, the Philadelphia 76ers at number 6, the Indiana Pacers at number 7, and I have the Atlanta Hawks at 8, just edging out the Wizards, who I had at 9. Wow. Okay, ready for my reworked one? Yes, let's hear it. Alright, Bucks, 76ers, Heat, Raptors, Celtics, Nets, Pacers, and I'm going to go different. I'm going to go Wizards. Okay. So our big discrepancy is essentially... uh got the right team. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the Nets and the Sixers, I think, is the big discrepancy. I'm a lot higher on the Nets. You're a lot higher on the Sixers. Um, for me, the Nets, just like, you know, you talk about the top-tier talent. There's a question whether they have, you know, top-five talent. I don't think they do. But uh, I think they've got two top 20 guys in Durant and Irving. They're deep at basically every position other than maybe the small forward spot. But, you know, they've got Kyrie and Dinwiddie at the point. They've got they've got the likes of Lavert and uh, Joe Harris at the two. They've got um, Durant and Jeff Green at the four. They've got DeAndre Jordan and uh, Jared Allen at the five. And then I'm missing, oh, they've got Landry Shamit as well. I think they'll probably move Joe Harris, even though I see him more as a two. They'll play Harris a little bit at the three. But uh, they're deep, and they've got, you know, while they don't have, like, top five talent, I mean, there's only a couple of teams in the league that have a couple of guys that are top five, top ten talents. So their top-tier talent is, is pretty much as good as anybody's, and their depth is as good as anybody's. Yeah, I guess I look at their health as something that could be a factor. Um, and, and their depth is good. I just don't know if it's upper echelon or East good. If you bring back the same depth, minus KD and Kyrie that you brought in last year, with the exception of Shaman and, and Bruce Brown, I don't know if that moves the needle too much in my direction for me. I think that's... Well, and, and, Jeff, and Jeff Green. Uh, well, the fact you had to mention that, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> I, <laughs> Jeff Green's good. But no, I, I don't think he's at all a needle mover in that way. I think that... They're a needle mover if Kyrie and KD are healthy and playing. Then all of a sudden, you have a nice team. But if Kyrie misses 15, 20 games, KD misses 10, 15 games, and you're relying on those guys, yeah, Karis LeVert, you've seen what he can do, spend what he's seen what he like. That's the thing. They're known quantities from that end, and they're not ones that I think will propel you to the upper echelon of the East. Like, they might keep you at 500, but they're not, like, making up the gap for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I. I... I'm not suggesting that Jeff Green is a world beater. I'm just saying as a... Okay, you brought him up, I'm like, he's a good depth piece, yes. But, like, again, I'm, I'm thinking about with their two players being, 
you know, injury history. If, if those two are out, yes, while their depth is good, I think their depth is better in terms of in addition to KD and Kyrie, then, oh, okay, we don't have KD and Kyrie, but guess what? We got Jeff Green. Like, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a backup four, I think you could do a lot worse than Jeff Green, and he also can play some small ball five, which gives you some, some versatility. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you brought up Bruce Brown as well. They, they've got like four or five quality shooting guards. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll probably have to play a few of them at the three, but I don't think that hurts them against the the vast majority of teams in the NBA. So I, I like Kyrie and, and, and KD if they're healthy, I like the depth. I I think they're going to be pretty good. And I think depth is going to be so important in this season in particular, so yeah, I, I like this group, and, and I think they have the ammunition to make a trade as well to, to continue to upgrade this roster. So yeah, I'm pretty high on them. And, and, and for Philly, you know, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be, you know, a, again, a, a pretty solid team. But I, I also just question, like, who's their third best player? <laughs> um, I, I get that Ben Simmons and Embiid is going to get them to a certain level. But uh, without that third star and without, like, you know, an elite, I I would say they've got uh, an okay to maybe slightly above average supporting cast at this point. But, um, you know, uh, I I just question whether they're going to be able to to climb to the very top of the the conference standings or near the top. Who would you have as Brooklyn's third star? Because, like, if it's Karras, I mean, he's okay. I don't know if, uh, I, I definitely wouldn't consider him a star. Touche. <laughs> I, I, I would say, uh, I'd probably say Spencer Dinwiddie is their third best player. Uh, and I like Dinwiddie more than, say, Tobias Harris, for instance. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. Uh, I, I, I guess I just like, I like the Nets' depth better than the Sixers. And I also like their top two players better than the Sixers. I, you know, uh, I guess it's comparable, Embiid Simmons versus Durant and, and Irving. But I would give the slight edge to Brooklyn. And and yeah, I would give the slight edge to uh, to the depth for the for the Nets as well. I feel you on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I feel like you definitely use more depth, but I think they have a formula to help them. Um, the last time they achieved pretty good success. Uh, you know, you bring in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you bring in more shooters. I think you have Seth Curry, you have Danny Green, uh, with Tobias Harris, you got some guys who can play Shake Milton more in a complimentary bench role, which I think is more within his skill set. Um, he's not overextending himself. I, I kind of like what they have there. Doc Rivers. As a coach, over upgrade over Brett Brown. I mean, it's negligible, I guess, um, but I think it still is there. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's why I'm pretty high on them this year. I think going back to the basis of what led them to success and not trying to zig where others are zagging will uh, help them in the long run. I think they're getting back to that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pleased to hear. It seems like we're we're pretty similar on like Milwaukee, Miami, Toronto, Boston, Indiana. I think we're pretty similar on those based on where we had them. I am uh, pleasantly surprised that you're not, uh, you, you don't seem to be too down on Toronto with their losses at the center position. Yeah, I was going to say, I dropped them down a peg in the regular season because I think it's going to take a little bit to adjust. They're still a very good team. The majority of their team is still intact, and that plus Coach Nurse will help them in the long run, so I'm really big on that. At the same time, I do think that you lose a guy in Ibaka and Gasol, both who helped both in the starting lineup and off the bench. I mean, that has to make an impact somewhere. So I think in the regular season, just a slight dip, I think it'll be a lot more noticeable in the postseason. Yeah, so so the other difference right at the end is you have the Wizards making it in at the 8th spot, whereas I have the Hawks. So make your case for why the Washington Wizards are, are better than Atlanta. So I think... 
think at this point you're looking at two two teams that are going to be more offensively driven than defensively driven. You know, both have uh, to say the least. Guys. Yeah, exactly. Both have interesting guys at the top um, in terms of their star talent. Um, the thing that separated to me injuries, quite simply injuries. Uh, you're gonna be relying on guys like Danilo Gallinari um, to see what happens. See what if John if John Collins could get moved. That's always a thing that could happen. Um, how that front court's gonna work. I think Washington's a little more simple um, in terms of who they're gonna play now. Whether or not they're gonna play effectively, uh, that remains to be seen. But I think if we put them in a situation where you know, hey, they get out to a strong start, um, where they don't hit as many lulls as Atlanta possibly could, um, that's what gets me at the end. And then overall, I mean. Or would you rather have a team led by Trey Young or Russell Westbrook? Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I mean, it seems like it's a draw even for you. You both have them as third-team guards. Exactly. It really is. It's true. It's true. So that's my thing. I think it's just injuries. I think that you have more of a chance with Atlanta of losing some key guys. That's all. Um, just based on the injury history that they showed up to this point. Yeah, I guess with Atlanta, you know, I think they, um, with with the acquisition of uh, of Bogdanovich and Gallinari and Rondo and Dunn, I think they have stabilized their their bench to a certain extent. And and you know, if some of their young guys like Reddish and and Hunter develop and and can play impactful, positive minutes for them, I think they're they're going to be able to survive a few injuries. You know, if, if Gallo gets hurt, for instance, he's not starting to begin with, but then you've also got a Kong Wu, I think, can step in and play some four or five. Uh, DeAndre Hunter can play some four. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I don't think they're as reliant on a guy like Gallinari, who has had some injuries, to stay healthy as you would expect. And I think part of that also is because they got Bogdanovich as well as Gallinari. I think makes it so that losing either one of those guys, I think they can still sustain a pretty prolific offense. With, I mean, the the Hawks when when Trey Young was on the floor last year were a pretty prolific offense with just him and him and John Collins. And you throw in Bogdanovich and Gallo and and even I think Clint Capello is a good role man finisher. Uh, this team is uh, has got so much talent offensively. And then I also. I trust in Capella as the anchor of the Hawks' defense to make them, you know, the 26th-ranked defense as opposed to the 30th, whereas, you know, I, I struggle to see how Washington gets out of the bottom two spots. That's <laughs> uh, called, it's, it's called uh, Thomas Bryant, friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you, though. I get you. That is a worry for me. I think, for me, the problem is not that if Gallinari's out, I guess I'm just not so optimistic on who their backups are. So like the guys you brought, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, I mean, Gallinari's coming off the bench already. I'm bringing him, him up just because I know he has at least a semi-sensitive injury history, even though he has been mostly healthy over the last two seasons. Um, but I think after that, from that point on, you know, it's still a drop, however you want to look at it, to a guy like Kongu, who, you know, is still a very good player, at least we're both very high on him, or a guy like DeAndre Hunter, um, and Cam Brush to hope that they can improve on what they did last year. You know, I just think there's more questions. At the same time, I'm trying to lobby for a team that had a disappointing, in my opinion, Rui Hachimura, um, Troy Brown, who had a good year but needs to step up even more. Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, I guess I'm hitching a lot of my wagon to that they have some continuity and go go far. Um, Davis Bertans and, and whatever uh, Robin Lopez can do to shore up the defensive back end as a rim return. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the teams are going to be pretty similar. The, yeah, the, the big question to me is Westbrook because I, I'm, I'm pretty confident I know what the Hawks offense is going to look like because it's, you know, it's been Trey Young and it will continue to be Trey Young. Um, maybe not, maybe he'll be off the ball a little bit more because they, they added some, some other on-ball talent. But uh, for the most part, I know what the Hawks are going to be on the offensive end. And I think Capella's presence this season will make them a slightly better defense, even if it won't, you know, change things drastically. Whereas, you know, Washington prior to the bubble, you know, prior to the shutdown, they were like a top five offense without Russell Westbrook. Um, so I think it's going to be a fascinating test case as to Russ's actual value here. You're going to be able to, uh, you know, talk some shit this year, Corbin, if Washington exceeds expectations in large part due to Westbrook. And uh, there, there's also the uh, the flip end of that where, you know, there's a chance that uh, you'll finally understand what I've seen from Russell Westbrook for years and years now. Oh, uh, I mean, we're, this, this going to be it. Because the, the, the roster around him is literally perfect. I mean, you talk about, be, uh, I mean, offensively, I'm saying. Uh, with yeah, with like, uh, <laughs> Beal, Bryant, Bertans, like they have so much great shooting to put around uh, Russell Westbrook. And, and obviously John Wall, a similar type of and style of player, succeeded with Washington. So the, the system, the, the personnel... Is uh, is really perfectly suited, so it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fascinating. I'm I'm very excited to see it, and and yeah, uh, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be hilarious if uh, if the plan comes down to Atlanta versus Washington, and this uh, this prediction that we made comes down to a single game? That would be hilarious. That would like <laughs> literally be hilarious. <laughs> Poetic, even. Exactly. Uh, so so let's move to the Western Conference predictions. Uh, let's hear who you have in the West, and uh, uh, let's let's hope that you're you're not missing the Lakers or the Clippers out of your top eight. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, <laughs> let me take a quick brief look in the standings to see what I have. Okay, so I got Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Blazers, Jazz, Mavs, Suns, and then for the eighth spot, it depends. I have Rockets slash Spurs. Rockets, if they keep James Harden, Spurs, if they don't. Okay, I, I like that. Yeah, we've got the we've got the exact same top eight, and yeah, I was going. I've got the Rockets at the seven spot right now. Um, okay. But I'll I'll just go through mine. So I've got Denver one, Utah two, and this is again regular season standings. This isn't my yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Denver one, Utah two. Lakers 3, Clippers 4, Blazers 5, Mavericks 6, Rockets 7, Suns 8. And depending on what happens with Houston, because again, with James Harden, they are the wild card here. If they were to drop, if if I had to drop out a team, even though I have Houston ahead of Phoenix, if I had to drop out one, I would drop out the Rockets. And I would put, yeah, I I was struggling between San Antonio or Golden State as the team that I would throw in. That's true. That's true. I, I was going to go and say, but I just feel there's too much. Their margin error is so, so thin. Exactly. Even with optimal health, and I don't see optimal health happening. Well, see, like, if they have optimal health, I don't think the, the margin of error is small. Like, I think if, if you were to tell me right now that Steph Curry and Draymond play, say, 65 of the 72, I would I would put the Warriors in the playoffs. Okay. But, yeah, my, my issue is I don't expect teams to have perfect health. I expect 
Steph and Draymond to miss 10-plus games each, probably, and it could be even worse than that. And in that case, that probably makes the difference. I, I would anticipate the Warriors lose every game that Steph Curry doesn't play and, and arguably be probably like a, you know, uh, a team that wins a, a team that wins a quarter of the games that, that Draymond sits. Yeah, let's see. So, I mean, not a ton of discrepancies other than, yeah, I, and, and we already talked about that. I think I'm, I'm a little higher on the Nuggets and Jazz regular seasons than, than you are. But, yeah, was was there anything yeah. else there that uh, that you thought was worthy of discussion before we move towards our, our conference finalist picks? Not really. I think we're pretty solid on that. I'm definitely surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm about to make fun of you if, 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 uh, if it falls short. I'm, 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 if not, I'm going to have to eat crow, and I will. But, um, Well, I mean, the, the Nuggets have been a two or three seed for a couple years running, and mm-hmm. given well, that seems to be their ceiling to me. <laughs> well, I, I guess what I what I think, I mean, uh, I, I don't think it is their ceiling, especially given that that Murray and Porter Jr. could could make genuine leaps in the regular season. So I, I don't think what they've shown has been their ceiling. I think what they've shown has been Nikola Jokic carrying an average supporting cast. If Jamal Murray plays in the regular season like he did in the bubble, or even like 80% of that, I think they go to another level as a regular season team. And then also, I think I'm just a little worried about teams like the Lakers and Clippers resting guys this season because of the the shortened, truncated aspect of it, which would maybe bring them down a little bit, uh, even if it doesn't make me think lesser of them as, as, uh, as teams. I see what you mean in that case, and that's something very real that I I take into consideration, but obviously not as much as you do. So that, that's something for sure. Um, we're both. I think I think you had Portland five or six, right? I have them at five. We're both pretty high on the Blazers, apparently. Yep, I'm on four. Yeah, five so I mean, yeah, I think they're they're pretty much they're going to be a top five offense, and they have the potential to be an average or even slightly above average defense, and that gets you towards the top half of the, the Western Conference bracket. Yeah, I could see their ceiling being the number one offense in the NBA, and say the twelfth defense. Like, and that could get them. Uh, that would be the yeah, the absolute. If everything goes right. I think that would be the well, the level that they could get to, and and that would put them near the top. But but yeah, uh, so let's move to uh, the uh, conference finals predictions. So who do you have making it in the Eastern Conference Finals? Or making it, I, I guess I should say, who do you have making it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, I guess it's just going to show how high I am on this team, but I have uh, Bucks and 76ers. Okay, uh, and, and that's funny because we, we talked about the two teams that we were very different on, so I have the Bucks versus the Nets. There we are. And see, that was the team I was going to put up there, but I was like, I just couldn't bring myself to. That is interesting. It only, it only makes sense that we get those two teams. Yeah. Let's just talk about those matchups real quick because the the Bucks Sixers would be fascinating, and obviously, you know that was a a, a popular prediction last season, thinking that you know the the Sixers experiment with Horford, and, and I was one of those, was going to go a lot better than it did. But uh, yeah, I think the the Sixers, even without Horford, are still pretty well set up to defend Milwaukee, given that they can put Embiid on Giannis. And they've got Simmons to to throw on a guy like Chris Middleton as well. Yeah, I mean it will be interesting. I think you're right, and and how big the supporting cast because they'd have to be big for both teams. 
Yeah. Um, the, the challenge, though, you know, going on the other end, uh, the other side of the court is, you know, Milwaukee being this dominant team in terms of protecting the paint and protecting the rim. Philadelphia, even if they surround Simmons and Embiid with shooting, those two guys in particular rely so much on getting to the free throw line and or scoring around the basket that I think it would it would be tough sledding for the Sixers to score in that matchup. Oh yeah, no, they're definitely a lot tougher in that scenario, especially since, I mean because they have to rely on them more. But I think if you have those guys interim, I still think they could they may not draw them at the same frequency, but I think they'll still draw enough fouls, and I think the shooting will be much improved over what they attempted to do last season. Yeah. Uh, so as far as Bucks Nets, the one thing that uh, would concern me if I'm Brooklyn in this matchup is not having the the size and the depth to defend Giannis. Uh, you know, obviously Durant, I think, will play a lot of four, but he's a little thin <laughs> to defend the Greek freak. Um, you know, I think Jeff Green can be an okay option, but certainly he's not ideal. They they would probably, uh, I think that's where. With the Nets having so many, so much young talent, so much depth, uh, th- this would be one of the the key moves. If they don't end up going for a third star, I think something that Brooklyn should look to do at the trade deadline is get another, um, you know, physical wing that can defend the likes of a Jason Tatum and more specifically a Giannis uh, in the event that they were to match up in the in the postseason. Because you know, I, I have. I have a lot of confidence that Brooklyn would be able to score the ball against Milwaukee given all the shooting that they have and just with, with Kyrie and Durant being such great offensive talents. But, yeah, it would be the defensive end that would be the concern, and I think they would have to, to make an upgrade or two at the deadline to, to be able to win this matchup. Yeah, I think that would have to be the really a big deal um, for them. Also, I mean, the only thing I can say as far as utilizing Giannis would be much like Miami and other teams did before, would just keep Giannis away from the ball. You know, defending a shooter away from the main action and just cook um, whoever else, you know? I'm on the defensive, and yeah, who's matching up with the honest is going to be the same basic tenet of forming as big a wall as you can. Um, and with that, yeah, you're going to need some beefier players because you're right. Like, Jared Allen could probably help with that and utilizing the fact that Giannis, you know, isn't the best shooter. Um, maybe you do the same thing um, with him, like you said, with Jeff Green um, on that side. And then, you know, have, have um, um, KD in spots as well, but I think there's a there's a way, you know, in much the way that teams have done in the past over that, um, that yeah, he's going to get his points, but you can limit his effectiveness in certain ways. And some of that, I think Giannis' own game will kind of be as I'm doing there, unless he does some market improvements, because I'm just of the belief that his game has a, a, a clear and concrete ceiling in the postseason. All right, so in your Bucks sixers matchup, who do you have winning and advancing as the Eastern Conference champion? 76ers and... No, I'm just kidding. Okay, um... <laughs> I have Bucks in seven. Okay. I don't think that the Bucks bench is very good. I think that, you know, Bucks got to rely on their guys a lot more, and I'm very, very optimistic on the 76ers. In much a way that I wasn't last year, because this year I did say that I, I mean, this year I, I, I was, or last year I remember bemoaning the fact that the 76ers were going away from what got them good in the first place, which was having good shooting around those two guys and running that as far as you can. I think they do that and maybe pick up a buyout guy, make a move at the trade deadline. They have a much uh, stronger roster on that. May not make the NBA Finals, but can make it uh, really tough. Yeah, so I actually have the Nets beating the Bucks in six. Uh, wow, and you are high on these guys. <laughs> I am high on the Nets. Again, I think 
I think part of it too is I, I think they're they're set to like the Clippers were last year when they acquired Marcus Morris. I think the 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 Nets, if I had to say one team that's going to make an upgrade during the season, if I had to pick one, I would say it's probably Brooklyn. Um, so so you know the roster that we're looking at right now, I do like the the current roster, but I think it will be even better when we get to the postseason. So, yeah, I, I am very high on this Nets team. I have them making the finals. So let's move to the Western Conference. And who do you have in the Western Conference finals? I have the team that should have done it if they had taken care of business last year, uh, Lakers and Clippers. And I am in total agreement. This yeah. this, is, this has got to happen. Uh, we, we can't. We can't. Uh, exactly. This will be uh, as disappointing as LeBron and Kobe never matching up in the finals if, if this matchup that. never happens. I have to say that you are right on, man. Right on. I was literally just gonna say that. I mean, it has to. Yeah, um, it would be so much fun, and uh, yeah, the the big reason I was, uh, you know, well, for one, I think last year in the bubble there was issues for the Clippers with Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. They both had to leave the bubble and then came back and weren't the same level of players that we saw in the uh, regular season. So, um, you know, the, the Clippers weren't exactly the same team. I also thought that the, with the bubble, even though it was helpful that players didn't have to travel, uh, the fact that games were every other day, there was never a time where you got two days off in between games. I think that hurt a guy like Kawhi Leonard more than you might think, given his, uh, his issues that he's dealt with with his quad. Uh, I think he really benefits from from uh you know in a typical season you know you'll in over the course of a seven game series you'll have once or twice where you get multiple days off and specifically before a game seven usually the the nba will schedule a couple days off yeah just get ready maybe you're right for someone you're so used to rest that didn't come into play um but uh yeah i i think the other the other big differentiator and why the lakers ended up on top last season and the clippers fell short was i I came into last year thinking the Davis George battle for between like the the number two guys on those LA teams was going to be close, and it ended up not being. Paul George was was clearly an inferior player to Anthony Davis, and and I'm uh, still committed to that notion heading into this season. So uh, I personally have the Lakers defeating the Clippers in seven. Same, actually, um, except one difference: Lakers in six. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I do think, um, I'll say this in defense of the Clippers making it a more competitive series, the Ibaka upgrade is a bigger upgrade than anything the Lakers did. Even though I, I like a lot of what the Lakers did, I think Ibaka, you know, over a guy like a, a Harrell or Green or even Zubach in their closing lineup is uh, is the biggest upgrade that either of the teams made. Yeah, it's going to be a night. You're right. I, I, I wonder, you know, as far as him being able to stay on the floor deep, which I'm sure he'll be able to be pretty effective, but, like, I, every time, I can't talk about Zoo. Every time I talk about Zoo, I think about how the Lakers got him for literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. Mike Muscala, like, are you kidding me? Well, there's a chance, I, you know, Zubach will, uh, you know, he's at an age, and, and I guess Kuzma falls in this category as well, that, that you know, young players that, uh, although I, I like Zubach more than I like Kuzma. But uh, young players that, that could take another little mini leap as well this season. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's very much possible. I mean, he's, he's played well, um, and he's improved. And that's something, you know, for whatever reason that Doc had against him over Montrez, you know, he didn't get the run he needed, but he will this year, so we'll see how it goes. 
So you've got Lakers Wizards in the finals. Just kidding. You've got Lakers versus the the Bucks, correct in the finals. Yes. And I have the Lakers versus the Nets. All right, Corbin. Let's hear who wins the the showdown between Los Angeles and Milwaukee. Um, or it has to be Los Angeles. Okay, back to back for the Lakers. Back to back. Yep, has to be. I'm not even. Yeah. In how many games? Lakers. Lakers in six. Okay. Uh, all right. So, in my matchup, I've got the Lakers versus the Nets, and I also have uh, the Lakers repeating as champions, defeating the Brooklyn Nets in six games. And, uh, yeah, um, I think we're both fairly confident that uh, the Lakers have as good of a shot as anybody. I, I do think that the, the Lakers-Clippers, as I you know, I predicted it to be a seven-game series, I do think that's a toss-up. Those teams are very evenly matched as far as talent goes. But... Uh, you know, I just trust LeBron and Anthony Davis a bit more. And more specifically, I trust Anthony Davis more than I trust Paul George in a seven-game series. Yeah, much the same on that note. I, I think that you're right. It's very clear. Um, especially when, you know, way off P in the clutch. <laughs> well, and uh, I think the Lakers would be perfectly, based on your finals matchup, the Lakers have, uh, you know, the perfect personnel to deal with Giannis, with LeBron Anthony Davis, even Mark Gasol. You know, we saw how effective Gasol was uh, a couple of years ago when the Raptors faced off against the Bucks. So, uh, yeah, I think the Lakers are perfectly suited to to defend the Greek Freak. Which, you know, if you can stop him, you've got a great chance of, of beating the Bucks. Exactly. That, that's clear. Very clear. You're right. I'm with you. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fun, man. Yeah, and and as far as the the Nets, I think they might just be overwhelmed a bit by the Lakers' size. Uh, although, again, I do think the Nets' offense is just as good as the Lakers' defense is. I think they would have a, a hard time slowing down Brooklyn. But, uh, yeah, I just think the, the Nets would, would probably get beat up on the boards as well as just uh, with, with LeBron and Davis attacking the basket at will. Yeah, I would agree. It makes a lot of sense to me as well. So we, we have to see how that look. But, yeah, I'm with you. It's just and the weaknesses that the Lakers uh, can exploit, I think, are too much for the Nets over. All right, so uh, yeah, Corbin, uh, we uh, we've gone through just about everything that we can predict. It'll be fun to, to look back at the end of the season, and uh, maybe we'll have to do an episode where we we uh, we come back and see which one of us is more of an idiot than the other. Uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, was there any was there any just uh, general comments? Of course, we're uh, when this episode will air, we'll be less than a week away from the start of the NBA season. Was there any? Was there any uh, other commentary you had about the, the season upcoming and uh, just some, some general thoughts? So just one last thought. Um, and this was about, you know, it's actually a question you proposed. Uh, you know, you gave the outline of things we were going to do. Um, and one question that you gave optional was uh, Russell Westbrook's uh, field goal percentage. <laughs> and so I, uh, I thought about it. I thought about it a little bit. And I'm going to go with, 48% from two, and I'm even going to throw an extra one. 33% from three. Ooh. Okay, so okay. so 48% from two. Let's see. Let's compare that to last year. So that's a that's a downgrade from last year. He shot 51.4% from two last season. Oh, oh, okay. My bad. Can't be too crazy. Now, 52% from two. 
52% from two, and then you're suggesting that he's going to go from a 25.8% three-point shooter to 33% this season. Yeah, I got to have some fun out here in these wagers, man. Yes. Whew, okay, that's a big bump. All right, so we're going to do that. I might as well uh, put out my guess as well. Um, Let's do it. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna say it's pretty similar from two. Uh, I'm gonna go with. He was 51.4 last year. I'm gonna go with 51.8. So a a, oh, wow. a, a tad a tad better because I do think the the Wizards have a little bit better spacing, um, but uh, also factoring in maybe some regression just with athleticism as well. As far as his three point shooting. He was 25.8% last year. It's tough to be that bad if you're tr- even if you're trying. So listen, 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 listen. Yeah, he had a rough year. We all, we all get them, but 2020, man. I'm going to go with 27.2% from three. <sighs> wow. Very specific. <laughs> not even a 30% there nope he's not getting it he he wasn't even he hasn't been 30 percent for for two years running now so i know hey, hey it's, it's that time it is the first year he's gonna be on a team that's much like his 2017 okc salad days what's the uh, what's the baseball terminology if uh you know i think 200 is the mendoza line uh we got to come up with like what's 30 percent uh for for the uh for the nba uh and if you're you're if you're over under that that's a barometer of whether you're okay or really bad as a shooter um um, but uh yeah um i I think i I think again it's going to be a reasonably good fit i just question again given that washington was was so good offensively last season without him and so bad defensively i question whether he's going to change a lot as far as uh, the team's offensive and defensive rating. I see what you mean. I'm optimistic that he will. I mean, you already got the good stuff in the locker. Everyone says Russ is a good teammate, so there's nothing new there. But I'm hoping that he learns something from Houston that, you know, yeah, I don't think he was the problem, and I think uh, Harden is thankfully showing that. I don't think he was all of the problem, let's just say that. But um, at the same time, that there's something has to give a little bit in his game, too. All right. Well, uh, on that note, Corbin, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on and doing this. It was good to uh, to talk some hoops with you after uh, after not doing it for a little while. Uh, this is probably the first time we haven't talked hoops in, in uh, like each week for, for quite some time. Seriously, uh, it's insane. I missed it. I'm back. I'm happy. Yeah. And, uh, of course, check Corbin out on uh, on NBA t- uh, Today as well as uh, the – what's the Spurs pod called for the listeners? Oh, Spanning the Spurs. Spanning the Spurs, so yeah, be sure to, to check that out, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to listen to that as well, but uh, again, thank you so much for, for coming on, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's time for some, some NBA basketball once again, time to get excited. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review preferably five stars, and uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you'd like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be... uh, 
tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television. So uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he uh, he does a d- does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he uh, he does some some fun work over there. So so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day.